If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Well, there's two sides to the coin when it comes to every trade in the NFL. We spent the entirety of pretty much the first episode talking about the Cleveland Browns end of the equation when it came to sending Baker to Carolina. So let's take a trip down south to Charlotte and talk about things from the Carolina perspective uh, like we kind of mentioned at the end of the episode, though, week one, Cleveland at Carolina, uh, Baker Mayfield's revenge. He does not have to wait very long for that. Um, I got to be honest with you, early, early thoughts there, put it all on the Panthers because I have a feeling that Baker Mayfield is going to will that team to a victory against the team with the Browns that I expect to not have that great a quarterback play. Um, you know, they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback in Jacoby Brissett that they have never played with before. And he's not going to have the all world talent like Deshaun Watson, where, you know, maybe you can overcome some of those learning curves with a new team because he's an all pro caliber player. That's not going to be the case. So I have a feeling that Baker might get his pretty sweet revenge. I'm not saying that that means the Panthers will be better than the Browns this year. I'm not saying that I think that, that means the Panthers will be better now with Baker Mayfield than we thought they would be. I'm just saying, in a vacuum, that one game, it might be a pretty decent ass-kicking from the Panthers. Because, you know, on the, on the whole, the, the roster offensively for Carolina and is, great. is improving on defense as well. So it's not like they're, you know, going to be blown out on all, all the other position groups against the Browns. So that that's going to be a really exciting first matchup. But I guess the first question I have with Baker is, will he even be the starter for the Panthers? That was going to be my first one? question. Let's pump the brakes on Carolina versus Cleveland. Let's let's discuss Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold because these guys came from the exact same draft class. They were taken, what, only a handful of picks in between. They were, I believe Darnold was the third overall or, or second overall. Third, third overall. Baker was taken first overall. Both of these guys now. Carolina has the number one and the number three overall pick from 2018 right. in, their, Bo- in their quarterback room. Right Both now. of these guys, even though they were drafted only in 2018, are already on their second team in the NFL. And just it so happens to be the exact same team. Sam Darnold has been there for an entire year before Baker arrived. To me, Tom, I guess you could say Baker's the better quarterback just because. He's, He's had, had more success, more success in, in Cleveland, yeah. but could you easily say that it's because he played in Cleveland who made the playoffs or was at least competing to make the playoffs? Almost every year he was there, and 
Darnold was in New York, who was the dumpster fire, who who was winning three, four, five, maybe six games at one point. Well, every devil's year. advocate, I would say there is. Remember when they went and got Bell and they signed, I believe C.J. Mosley was the linebacker that they signed. Yeah, and they from put yeah. it all in for the Jets to build around Sam Darnold, and that was when they still had Robbie Anderson as an up and coming mm-hmm. number one wide receiver. But guess for where them. he is now in Carolina, yeah, right? But um, but my point was that. You know, they had a really good start to that season, too. Like, they were winning games early. I want to say they were, like, 3-1 and one or something like that. And then Darnold got mono. Remember that? When he got mono? I do remember that. And he couldn't play for a couple weeks. And then, and then he, came, he came, back came back, and he was terrible. And then and that was, was just when awful. he came back, that was the Patriots Monday Night Football game where he's like, I'm I seeing see ghosts. ghosts. Yeah, and Belichick ruined him. And then he was just not the same for he the rest broken. of the year. So my devil's advocate would be, he was maybe on the, the right track. Maybe the Jets did build a team around him that was ready to take that next step, and that piece of the puzzle that's the most important piece just wasn't fitting in, that quarterback. And maybe the mono took a lot out of him, and then he wasn't the same that year, but we haven't seen him. He's looked like post-mono Sam Darnold ever since then, and we have very little flashes of the pre. We had a little bit of it early this past year when yeah, Carolina Car- had a I think he started start, off 3-0. and But then he turned right back into the post Post mon- it's so, like you got mono again. Right. So I did a little fact checking, Tom, and they didn't do as well as you may have remembered. They actually started 0 and 4. They then won one game. That's what it was. Didn't they win uh, like a decent amount though? No. Like, really? Oh well. Okay. Actually, it's strange. They they went one and four to start, and then there was that Monday Night Football disaster where they lost 33 to nothing. And then they went one and seven, but they finished seven and nine. Yeah, so they did finish strong. So it wasn't it wasn't as they started off high and then they finished. All right, weak. so I was mistaken there. Yeah, right. He came back and he ended up starting to look decent towards the end of that season. But that's the best he's looked is that last stretch of the season there. His second year in the league, yeah. And you've never really seen those flashes. I think I was conflating the hot start he had with Carolina last year. And Maybe. putting that in yeah, New York yeah, because they did. which they did, and everyone they was good this everyone year, was yeah. saying, "Wow, New York really messed Screwed up, up there." Donald, just yeah. give him some good players and a better system, and look, he's a decent quarterback in the NFL. That that ended up not being the case. I think Baker wins the job. I mean, that's what ESPN has him listed as number one. Right I think now. he can do more with the football. It's not much more, but I think he's also had the benefit of playing with better players, so he kind of Who is he- able to utilize his players better maybe which is a big part of this because yeah. when you're playing with Christian McCaffrey Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore that also kind of concerns me though a little bit because we saw the dynamic between him and Odell and how that didn't work out and his receivers didn't point. have a good except rapport. for the fact that my counter to that is Odell we've known his entire career maybe though Surly he wasn't guy, little maybe acidy. he wasn't the issue in Cleveland but he certainly probably didn't make it any easier to to build a bridge with Baker I couldn't tell you one thing ever, scandalous or not, or just clickbait worthy. Well, that's because he plays in Carolina, DJ Moore. He's off the map. You know what I mean? Like, you're, right, in, you're in New York. Robbie Anderson was playing in New York. True. Never did anything. Christian McCaffrey, sure, he's playing in Carolina, but, but he's a big name. He's a big name. I mean, you, you typically don't hear of running backs to be the divas, it's always the, the receivers. And again, yeah, maybe DJ Moore playing in Carolina, but you always see guys who who emerge on good. I mean, Steve Smith when he was in Carolina had the biggest mouth maybe in the entire league when he was playing there. Backed it up too. Oh, absolutely, backed it up. But DJ Moore, I'm not co- trying to compare him to Steve Smith. It just just because you're you're playing in a, a certain town or a certain with a certain team doesn't mean you can't 
be off, have your own off the field issues. But that's something that DJ Moore, I, I personally don't think, has gone through. Maybe no, as a, yeah, yeah, it's it might be yet to come, right? Like you said, but you can't fault him for something that hasn't happened yet. And I think the only thing that is of note for DJ Moore was him saying that. Wasn't it he didn't want Sam Darnold to be his quarterback, or he didn't want Baker to come to Carolina? There was rumors that Baker was going to come to Carolina before this actually happened, and I think he posted in a comment of an IG, and it was just like, no, or like something like to that effect. Um, but that's interesting. I'm glad you pulled on that thread or, or led me there, because I've seen a lot of that reaction on Twitter from the Carolina side of things where – you know, it was the meme of Stephen A. Smith leaning over the window when you're very upset. But he was in a McCaffrey jersey, and they were like oh, Christian yeah. McCaffrey looking at his quarterback room right now. And I get that because there's a lot of untapped potential in that quarterback room that I'm sure guys around that locker room are probably saying this potential ain't never going to be tapped on either of these two guys. But at the same time, like I don't get how you can criticize Carolina for pulling the trigger on this move when you're – ransom that you gave up was a 2024 conditional pick that would at the best be a fourth round pick and at the worst is a fifth round pick and I know you can find some gems in the fourth and the fifth rounds of the NFL draft but I would definitely sacrifice a fourth round pick to kick the tires on a former first round pick and see if he might be the piece that's missing in an already talented offense to get us not the division because that old man is still running supreme up at the top but maybe flirt with the seven seed, finish in second place in the in the uh, in the South, and potentially you know take a step towards building into a playoff team in twenty twenty three. So I don't fault the Browns at all for making that move. I, I don't no. think I think it was very low risk, and a very potential high reward move. And worst case scenario, you've given up that fourth round pick. You've given up that fifth. We'll say he's terrible, so it's a fifth round pick instead of a fourth round pick. You give up that fifth round pick. And then uh, you fast forward to the draft this year. Your team stunk. You pick a quarterback in the loaded quarterback class. You know, maybe Matt Corral looks like something your third round pick, and he ends up, you know, drive, rising up the depth chart as soon as twenty twenty three. Who knows? So I, I think that there's still a ton of options for the Panthers. I don't think that this is something that completely crippled them, like the Browns potentially getting crippled by throwing all that money at Deshaun Watson. A very low commitment from Carolina here on something that I think could potentially work out really well for them. I mean, I'm not ready to say that they're, you know, a better team and and ready to contend for one of those wild card spots in the NFC. But, you know, we were talking about the uh, the Panthers in the light of one of the worst teams in football this year and and I know that Baker might not be that great of an upgrade, but I don't know, part of me thinks he is and part of me thinks that they're going to be a little bit better than than we initially thought this year. Here's the thing though, if Christian McCaffrey goes down again, yeah, it's, that's it's... once again a 5-win team at best. Think about it, Tom. They want they went 3 and 0 to start last year, I believe. And then they finished with 5 wins. 5 maybe 6 wins. And so I don't know if I mean if they do that 3-0 start again this year, they get really hot. It's not just the offensive side, though, too. You know, their first-round pick uh, in 2021, J.C. Horn, who's going to be a great corner, he only played in, like, three or four games last year. So, like, they got hurt on both sides of the ball last year. And they're – you're right that they don't have – the quarterback now, whether it's Darnold or Mayfield, needs a perfect storm to have nine wins in the year. You know what I mean? You can't have McCaffrey go down, more missed time, J.C. Horn's out, Brian Burns, one of your linebackers, goes down just hypothetically – you can't have all that happen and then have Baker carry you to nine wins. It needs to be a perfect no. storm scenario. So 
I do understand the skepticism of the people around him staying healthy enough for them to just be a good, solid team. But I get, you know, all things being equal and everybody being healthy right now, I I would not be shocked if they ended up flirting with the number two spot in that division. It's Try, only trying to push the Saints a little only bit. Only because you don't trust the Falcons. The division's really bad. Yeah. And if, you know, you're playing devil's advocate with New Orleans as well, if Jameis Winston doesn't work out, he also gets injured. The, the, the backup, I believe, is Andy Dalton in New Orleans. I, I think if that happens, if Jameis continues to hobble, Carolina could compete for that number two seed only by default, only not not because that they're actually that much better of a team. And still, Tom, we're talking about competing for the number two seed in that division. I don't see more than one team coming out of that division for the playoffs. No, I don't either. It's just Tampa. I don't either. I think it would be very shocking. The only way that happens, Tom, is if Jameis plays the entire year and he doesn't throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions like he did the last time he was out there for an entire season with Tampa Bay. And even so, when he did that, I don't think they made the playoffs, and that was a much better team all around, I think, when he was in Tampa his last year. Now you have a, a young, a, a good offense, but the defense has pieces. I just don't know with the new head coach if New Orleans can really put it all together. We're still, we're talking about one of the worst divisions, if not the worst division in football. And you're only getting to the second seed because Tampa Bay has it locked up. And even so, if you get to that second seed, it's no guarantee you're making to the playoffs. So when when you get back to the original conversation, is Baker really going to do that much more for them if he's starting the entire year rather than Darnold and then after they start 3-0 but then they end up at like 3-9 or something and they I don't even know the, the name of the other quarterback they had last year when it's they PJ Walker when they I have I honestly don't know when they were just so bad that they had to say well Darnold was ready for three games but we can't continue with him for the rest of the year <sighs> they but won. then at the end of the year, Matt Rule comes out and says, well, was Jerry still out on Darnold? We didn't see enough. Right. Really? I think you saw as much as you needed to. And yeah, it was, I, I, it was I, P.J. Walker who uh, started a game, played in five games for Carolina. Tell me, tell me, other than those numbers you just gave me, anything else that you can about P.J. Walker? Because I could not. I can't tell you a single So thing. obviously Darnold is a much bigger, better upgrade. I bet you Carolina is feeling better just because now that they can say, kind of like a Steelers situation where when the Steelers went out and they got uh, Mitch Trubisky, they were saying, okay, great. Now it's not just Mason or Dwayne Haskins. It's now Mitch versus Mason. And then when, when they went out and they drafted Kenny Pickett, they're thinking even better. Now it's Kenny or Mitch with Mason in reserves. Probably Carolina's thinking the same thing. Yeah, obviously we didn't want it to be between Sam Darnold and Walker. Now we have Sam Darnold and Baker. If one goes down, we'll just put the other guy in, and he can't be that much worse than whoever we went out with to start. You know who else played five games for them last yeah, year? Yeah, I don't remember it being P.J. Walker. Who was well, he it? He did start one, P.J. Walker. It was Cam Newton. It was Cam, it Newton. was Cam Newton. Cam Newton came back to be the savior. Remember he had that win against yeah, the Cardinals it, where it he was, was his Superman Cam? I think it was his one win where he was saying, I'm back, I'm here. Little did we know, fraudulent win because it was the Cardinals in the second half of the season. And I think that was maybe his one or two. He also came in in relief in that game because right. he was zero and five as a starter for the Carolina there Panthers last year. But he did play in. So I was right. So he never actually won the game, won a game for them. Nope, he did not. And he was a former MVP. And how the mighty have fallen when it comes to Cam Newton. But uh, yeah, uh, they have to <laughs> back to Baker. Kind of, 
and bringing it back to him because I, I think he's going to be the one that ends up leading them out of that tunnel in week one at home against his former team, the Cleveland Browns, and I think that he's going to have the keys to this offense. It's The thing is, though, Tom, I don't know the Panthers well enough. Right, I know the Browns well enough where they bring in a guy and, they, and they, they're really excited, but they still go with someone else. The Panthers could easily be that team well, as well. I don't think Matt Rule's that great of a coach. I don't think he's proven that he's... When you start 3-0... and That's what I'm saying. I'm, you I'm, start 3-0, and you pretty much have something... Just don't bottom out completely, and he completely bottomed out. So that's the thing is that, and then he he also said at the end of the season, we we need to see more from Darnold. We didn't get that chance okay, but then this you year. Traded for you drafted a quarterback in the third round, and then you traded for another one. So it's like, but, but then also it wouldn't shock me if he's say, he's saying all those things, but they went out and they they draft Corral, they go get Baker, and they still start Darnold. I don't know the Panthers well enough, the Panthers front office, or Matt Rule as a coach well enough to know. Is he smart enough to just say, well, you got Baker, go out and start Baker? Yeah, and I think that's what – I do think they're going to end up starting him. And how he's going to be able to manage a really talented offense is really going to be interesting to me because I think DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall Jr., and then Rashard Higgins, who he's familiar with from the mm-hmm. days in Cleveland together, it's a pretty good four right there in yeah. Carolina as far as a receiving and is concerned. I, I mean, McCaffrey went healthy is great. But the backup, I believe, Chuba has, Hubbard. He's yeah, just, right, right, he's, right. He's a young and up and comer right. as well. And they also signed Dante Foreman, who backed up Derrick Henry last year. Had a lot of success. Had a, had a, a really good season last year. Big, well, in, in big his guy too. Not a whole season, but in his time playing instead of Henry, yeah. Big, big guy too. Like a real beefy kind. So you of, have like, he'll play if, even if McCaffrey's, McCaffrey's healthy, hurt, just to get short or yardage. healthy, right, yeah. right, right. But even if McCaffrey goes down, you have Hubbard, who's a more traditional style of running back, and then you can on third and short, you want to give the ball to Foreman, absolutely, just get you that one yard. The talent is there on offense. They have three very serviceable. Well, they have two very serviceable running backs and a superstar at running back. Uh, their depth at the running back position is a little envious, honestly, as a Steelers fan. I'd love to have uh, pieces like that behind Najee Harris. But, yeah, they, they have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to, you know, having decent running back play if McCaffrey goes down. But McCaffrey's got to be the catalyst for them if they want to win any games this year. In the passing game, in the running game, I mean, he's got he's to almost average a touchdown a game. And that's incredibly tough. That's Austin Eckler-esque. And tough to ask of anybody to do that but that's that's really the the key for the Carolina Panthers is his health and him being the driving force of that offense and of course Baker you know being able to facilitate the ball appropriately in that offense getting mm-hmm. it to McCaffrey uh as much as he can and so. also too in terms of Baker he's got we have to think of where he's coming from Baker Mayfield we just pointed out in, a, in an episode we did last week playing with one of the best offensive lines in football, top five offensive line. It's coming to Carolina where they don't really have much to offer They're building him. right now. They just used their first-round draft pick this year on E.K. McQuanu. But other than that, there really isn't a lot of big-time names on that line. But, yeah, as you said, they're building towards something. But it's also you may want to have some reservations because Baker may be better, pay, playing better than he's capable of only because of that stellar offensive line in, Carol- in, in Cleveland comes to Carolina, it's not nearly as formidable, not nearly as good as job of do, does, doing a job of protecting Baker. He may struggle even more than we think he could. I, I think you're right about that. Um, again, I'm not anointing the Panthers as some team now that's going to mean to compete for a playoff spot. No, in terms of moving the needle, this 
does very little. It just does because of who he is and where we're at geographically right. located next to his old or our his old team is our biggest rival and and that's why it's very interesting mm-hmm. here but yeah, I think around the NFL this is met more as a laughing stock move than anything because Baker Mayfield's stock is way down. I mean, people right. people really think he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that's a little too far, but that's definitely kind of the vibe that you get from uh, around the league. Before we wrap up, I wanted to touch a little bit on something I was thinking about when it comes to the Steelers and their quarterback situation this year. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. And that's, it's been at least two decades since a preseason football game is going to matter like it does this year in the city of Pittsburgh. For Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like, we usually I, we just don't know which preseason, preseason game that games. is. Right. Oh, I don't really want to play the Jaguars. Ugh, I can't believe we have to play the Panthers in this week four game. Every single game, the Jags, the Seahawks, the Lions, it's edge of your seat kind of football. It's it's almost like you need to pay attention like it's a regular season game. And if you didn't have that mindset before hearing this right now, you better get it because I have to imagine that from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, even though you know the pieces around those guys are going to get lesser and lesser as you work through depth charts uh, on the other positions, it's going to be Trubisky and then it's going to be Pickett for the most part. Maybe a little Rudolph sprinkled in at the beginning there, but... I mean, it's edge of your seat, like, analyzing it like a legit regular season game, and we haven't had that here in a long time. And it's not going to be just one game. It's it's most likely going to be all three. I don't even suspect... Do you think they'll name a starter before the third game? You would probably want them to. And then have him dress rehearse as the starter for the third game? Although I think the dress rehearsal game is game two. Where everybody's going to play. Right, but then you still have, because there's only three, You and this isn't someone like Ben who's been with the team for a long time. Neither guy has been with the team prior to this season. So I think even if you name the starter before week three, right, say it's week two, and that's when you put him out there with all the other starters, I think you still have to put them both out there in week three. Yeah. Just to, to be even more familiar with the team. Not only that, I think you have to put them both out there with the starters at one point in a legitimate game. So that's why defensively, I think we're good with, you know, yeah. Watt, Hayward, Minka, you want to do a get, series and then you're off the field. Get Levi in there a lot. Yeah. Get Miles Jack in there a lot. But then even those guys after a quarter get off the field. Right, right. Offensively, right. though, I know you don't want to hurt the guy. But you kind of have to leave them out there. You need to see Najee for at least a quarter probably for one of these games. I think you need to see the receiving the receivers for a full half with with these quarterbacks. I think you know you're going to see the and, good- and the offensive line should play a lot too. You're offensively, I think that in all three preseason games, you're the playing starter the full should be half. there for at least a quarter, and then for that second one, probably a half, maybe into the third quarter a little bit, so you can get some run with Pickett. Say if he comes in as the second half quarterback, like so that a little worry there because I, Harris doesn't need it, and you don't want him to get hurt, and probably the receivers are. Okay, but you're breaking think, in a new quarterback, so you want but him to I be out there. But I think the good thing about the receivers is you have four receivers who you 
like a lot. Obviously, you have the two that you know between Claypool and Deontay. The upside with Pickens this year seems to be growing week by week. It seems that with rookie camp and then mini camp, everyone in Pittsburgh who was at those practices was saying, George Pickens is going to be a elite wide receiver. He's going to be one of those top talent guys who everyone is saying, how did we let this guy get past us when there were, what, eight receivers, nine receivers taken in the first round or even in total before him, including uh, uh, Watson, Christian Watson from uh, Green Bay. And then also, too, with Calvin Austin, everyone is saying he's he's a he's a easily a Deontay Johnson mini version where if you really punt on Deontay Johnson, you don't give him that contract. It's no skin off your back because you have Calvin Austin to just come in and replace him because he's just as talented as that shorter, quick, quick route kind of guy. So I understand what you're saying about getting Najee out there just to see how he does and, and taking handoffs from Mitch or taking handoffs from Kenny. But really the receivers, I think is the, is the, best case for the quarterbacks because you could say one game just throw Claypool and Allison out there and the next game you throw Deontay and, and Pickens out there or whatever combination you want. To me, it's the offensive line that I think is the biggest issue because you can say that for the receivers, you can throw out any combination and same for the the tight ends, right? Pat Frymuth is obviously tight end one, but the Steelers love the depth they have at the tight end position between Gentry and Raider. Even though they're not going to be as solid as pass catchers as as Fryermuth, they're still going to be good options to have in the preseason, of course. But for the offensive line, you don't want to do that mix and match thing, right? That was the whole narrative for the the offense, rather for the offense specifically in the preseason last year was you got to get your starting five, and you got to know who it is, and you got to get them out there in the preseason as early as you can. And I believe it took until week three, right when it was. The, the Lions game, when it was Roethlisberger's first time going out there. For me now, though, the concern is you have your starting five, but you don't want them, I think you don't want to run the risk of putting them out there, all five of those guys, every single game, but then that also hinders you because you need them to you're, be you're, you're, you're just mixing and mashing, and you're ruining what you could have as 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 Craig Wolfley also likes, always likes to point out, the, the, those big C's, which is continuity, chemistry, all those, you can't, you can't risk that, right? By just throwing guys out there, just to, just to doing it for, for the purpose of a normal preseason. This isn't a normal preseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you kind of want Najee running the ball behind that offensive line for a little bit because you want him to get used to blocking for him. You want him to get used to reading, you know, those five guys in the holes that they're going to open and their tendencies. So, you know, you're going to have to play guys on offense uh, more than you're probably going to be comfortable as a fan out there and more than you've seen in a lot of recent years when it comes to the Steelers in preseason games. I mean... I'm think not Najee. I think you know you you play him for a quarter and then you take him out. But like I could absolutely see you know the offensive line, um, the tight ends, the wide receivers, and then obviously you you flip flop the quarterbacks. Like I could see them playing all the way up to three quarters in a single game uh, together. Again, not Najee. You probably pull Najee out after a little bit. But other than that, I could definitely see those you know combinations of Chuk, Dan Moore. Um, whoever is winning between Dotson and Kendrick Green, Mason Cole and James Daniels playing for, you know, 
three quarters of football, 45 minutes worth of football. And I, I would not be surprised if we see that this year. And I honestly don't think that it's a terrible idea to do that. I think that it's something that should be explored mm-hmm. and something that, you know, you could definitely use to help get ready for week one against a Cincinnati Bengals team that is going to be just hungry and an incredibly tough environment to go into and have to open up your season. And so I think the more reps you can get, the better. You're really playing with fate there, though, because of injuries, but I don't think you've got a choice this year. I think you've got to really dive in hard on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to the preseason. And again, defensively, yeah, you want to see guys like Jack. You want to see guys like Wallace and how the cornerbacks work. Um, Probably throw a ton of different defensive linemen out there just to see, you know, how they look. Uh, Ogan Joby's definitely going to play some because of of him getting used to his new... Well, actually, he probably won't because of his injury. But uh, you're going to see a ton of different moving parts up there. The guys like Hayward, the guys like Watt, the guys like Minka. uh, Those are three guys on this team at the very top of the list that I know know what time it is when the season starts. And I would not risk having them play more than a series. They're going to want to play in one of the games. I think TJ's going to want to throw some pads on and get a couple pass rushes up against some live action. But I I have him do a series, maybe a second series, and then I say I take his helmet away, and I say have fun watching the rest of the game. And I'm talking about doing that in maybe only one of the preseason games. Don't don't run this guy hard in the preseason because you know he has a little bit of fatigue problems as the season goes on. You wouldn't even just give him just one series per game maybe per not the first game maybe second and third game why or maybe first why and not second the first game. i don't know it's just he's ready and i don't really want to risk his injury at all because you saw what happened when he left what were they seven and three last year when tj was healthy in games it was some record was so astronomical mm-hmm. like that he's such an important piece that he probably will inevitably get hurt for a game or two throughout this season but i just don't want it to happen in a game that doesn't matter at all Especially because he's playing not on the side where there's so much unknown yeah. in terms of playing together. Yeah, right. There's got to be some continuity there. Of course, Jack, Levi, those are new pieces. Joby, new pieces that are being plugged in. But the core is still there. Whereas on the offensive side of the ball, the core is completely different now. Two new quarterbacks, a running mm-hmm. back that's now handing, getting handed the baton of leader on that side of the ball. A young and up and coming tight end that factors into or figures into be a pretty good playmaker, and then a lot of young receivers. So, honestly, the defense and offense. I know that it's the highest paid defense and the lowest paid offense in the NFL, but the disparity between the two sides doesn't just stop there. It, it is really just a completely different stage in the careers of the the defensive unit and the offensive unit for your Steelers. So. It's going to be a fun preseason, and I really don't say that with a tongue in my cheek. Mm-hmm. Like it's going like for the first time in almost two decades, the Steelers season really seems to start in early August instead of that first week in September. <sighs> Which is it's great for us. It's great. It's I great can't wait for, for us. Camp. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great for us going to training camp, seeing the guys work out, and then seeing how that translates to and then on actually the field can- when we're working on Saturday night or Sunday afternoon, like actually caring about right. the games. Or the working. last couple of years when we, it's well, been I guess not twenty twenty, 
because there was there no was preseason. No, was but yeah, absolutely. You, you and I are here, and it's just a Saturday. It's almost like a Saturday night wasted, right? Yeah, because we, this game doesn't even count. We're, right? we're in the summer, and we're not able to go out on the Saturday night, and we're here until, what, 2 o'clock in the morning? For or, something that doesn't If not matter. later, for something that matters absolutely nothing cosmically just because you know your starters, or at least... Maybe now you know all your starters, but you know the you starter. Know Big Ben's lining up. You knew up on the week starter one, that yeah. mattered, and now here it's you are different. with a lot of yeah. I mean, again, you have essentially out of twenty-two starters, you probably have twenty, if not twenty-one of them guaranteed, locked in. It's just that one that you don't know is the most important one. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. He's Jacob Recht. I am Tom Opperman. Next episode, we're going to do some power rankings. We're going to look at head coaches around the NFL and give you what we think is our top 10. So make sure you tune in for that. As always, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen to another episode of the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.